friends, welcome to the Sunday Sermon segment of We Need God. Please listen as Father Carrozza offers his homily for today, which was recorded live in St. Anne's Parish. Maybe you've heard the old song, If there's a right way to blow it, a right way to mess it up, nobody does it like me. Well, if you've ever heard that song and identified it with yourself, said, gee, that could be the song, the story of my life, then I've got a great saint for you, and that is St. Peter. I've often thought that Jesus chose Peter. One of the reasons he did was because Peter seemed to have every good desire of the heart. He really wanted to follow the Lord. He really wanted to do what was right. But he always seemed to have the habit of putting his foot in his mouth or just saying or doing something to totally mess up everything he had just begun. Let's look at a couple of the instances in the life of St. Peter. One, which we're going to hear two, two Sundays from now in the Gospel reading, the day that Jesus asked the people, or the disciples, who do the people say I am? And they say, some say you're, you're John the Baptist or Jeremiah or, one, or Elijah or one of the old prophets of old come back. And he says to them, but who do you say that I am? And you can almost hear the silence among the apostles. And Simon Peter speaks up and says, I say you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for no man has revealed this to you but my Father in heaven. And then he gives them the keys to the kingdom, effectively making him what we, the first of what we now call the Pope, giving him the, him the authority to speak in his name. And right after that, Jesus says, Peter is right, and now I'm going to go up to Jerusalem, and I'm going to suffer and die at the hands of the elders, and, and yet rise on the third day. And Peter takes him aside and says, God forbid that should happen to you. And what does Jesus do? He turns on him in anger. What are the few times we see Jesus angry? He turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Satan, God's adversary. You are trying to make me trip and fall. You are not thinking the way God thinks, but the way man thinks. I'm sure Peter at that point would have loved to find a hole that he could dig and hide in because he must have been so upset at that point to be called Satan by the Lord. Then at the Last Supper, we know how the Lord says, I'm going away. Where I'm going, you cannot follow me. And Peter says, why can I not follow you? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus says to him, he goes, really, Simon? He says, you'll lay out your life for me? Tonight before the cock crows, you will deny three times you even know me. No, Lord, I would never do that. And I think he meant that in his heart. He truly meant to say to the Lord, I will die for you. And yet we all know what happened that evening. Indeed, he did deny three times he even knew who Jesus was. And he went out and wept bitterly. Again, a time that he put his foot in his mouth. And he didn't have the strength of his convictions. But remember, Jesus at the Last Supper also said something else to Peter. He said to him, Peter, I have prayed for you. And when you have recovered, you in turn must strengthen your brothers. So he knew that Peter would fall away, that he would deny him. But the Lord was not dismissing him because he even denied three times he knew him. He knew in his heart he wanted to do what was right, but human weakness made him deny him. And when he had recovered and realized that Jesus had forgiven him, he in turn would be the one that would strengthen the other apostles. And with all that in mind, we see 
today's account, which is actually the earliest of the three that I just mentioned to you. But here they are in the boat. Jesus dismisses them and stays in the mountain to pray and leads them on the boat at night to go across the lake. Now, the fishing boats that they used were very small. They were hardly seaworthy, not anything that you would put great trust in. And the Sea of Galilee is known for storms to come up almost unexpectedly. And indeed, the winds were very strong. They had headwinds, and they were taking on water and probably expecting to drown. So here they are panicking. We're about to drown. And in the midst of all their fear over the elements that they can't possibly control, in the middle of that, they see something moving towards them on the water, and they think it's a ghost and they begin to scream out. So you could just imagine their fear at that moment. They're ready to drown, and now some evil thing, they think, is coming at them to get them even and harm them even more. And Jesus cries out to them, get a hold of yourselves. Do not be afraid. It is I. And what does Peter say? Does he say, you know, why did you leave us out here? Or does he say, how do I know it's you? Prove that it's really you? No, he says to him, Lord, if it is truly you, bid me to come to you across the water. Now, that's a tremendous leap of faith to say, Lord, if that's truly you, let me do what you're doing. Obviously, he knows Jesus has the power to do so. And the sign of proof to him that it's Jesus would be if he can walk on the water. And so Jesus says, come. And Peter actually gets out of the boat and begins walking on the water toward Jesus. And he's succeeding. And that whole storm, everything that a moment before he was frightened of, that it was going to be his doom, now he's got total power over. It's not harming him. He keeps his eyes fixed on Jesus, and here he is, like Jesus, walking on the water, more powerful than even the forces of nature. And he's doing well until he takes his eyes off Jesus, looks at the sea around him and the storm, and begins to be frightened by them, and right away starts to sink. And he says again the right words, Lord, save me. Jesus reaches out his hand, pulls him up, and saves him, and says, Oh, ye of little faith, why did you falter? And when they get back in the boat, you can imagine the apostles with their mouths hanging open, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Peter was in total control. He was being master at the power of Jesus over all of the forces of nature, everything that he couldn't control himself as long as he kept his eyes on Christ. But the minute he took his eyes away from Christ and relied on his own uh, efforts, then of course he sank because by himself he could not do anything about the storm. And that's such a powerful message for all of us because I've always felt I could relate to St. Peter, because, and probably all of us can at some point, especially if you've ever put your foot in your mouth and said, boy, the Lord probably would never want me again after what I just said or what I did. Well, if that's the case, if it's ever happened to you, you're in good company. You're in the company of St. Peter. The Lord did not call perfect people to follow him. In fact, one of the things we see about the apostles is how very much ordinary they were and how much in the, in the nature of uh, the fallen human race they were. The Lord could have called great scholars and great saints to serve him, but he didn't. He called 12 very ordinary people, and he made them great by the gifts that he gave them, provided they trusted in him. And there was obviously only one who didn't, Judas Iscariot, who went off to his own place and was replaced by St. Matthias. And I've always felt that's no accident that the Lord called ordinary people. And he continues to do that today in you and me. He often does his best work through ordinary people, 
people who realize our own weakness, our own lack of skills, our own ability to do anything great on our own power. In fact, if anybody came along and said, well, of course God should call me, look at all my skills, look how great I am, I think that person is headed for disaster. No, it is the person who realizes his own weaknesses all too clearly, his own ability to do on his own what God would want to do, him to do, but does it by, the, by trusting in God that great things have been done by great saints over the centuries. Some of you may remember Father Benedict Rochelle, who was, uh, founded the uh, CFR Fathers, and he was quite popular on he had TV shows and many books of his own was on EWTM quite a bit. In his earlier days, he used to help here as a regular Sunday assistant at St. Anne's. And a few years ago, before he passed away, he even came and celebrated a mass with us here. And he was one of my teachers in the seminary, and he was also the, uh, the postul uh, postulator for the cause of canonization of Cardinal Cook. And he had to gather all of the information about Cardinal Cook and bring it to Rome to begin the process. And he told us how when he met with the, one of the bishops who's in charge of the cause for the canonization of saints, he said to him, in everything you write, don't try to convince me that Cardinal Cook never sinned. Because if you do that, now I know you're lying to me. Don't tell me he didn't sin, but prove to us that he had heroic virtue, that he somewhere in his life did powerful things even in spite of his sinfulness. And that's what great saints have done throughout the ages. If you look at them all, they've all had weaknesses. They've all had sins. In fact, sometimes it seems that the Lord called some of the greatest sinners in their early life to become his greatest advocates, like St. Paul himself, who was persecuting the church before the Lord called him. We can do great things for God, not when we're perfect, but when we acknowledge our weaknesses and rely on the Lord strengthening us to do good work for him. Only Jesus was perfect because he was God and he couldn't be imperfect, and Mary by special indult of being the Immaculate Conception. All the rest of us, we have our own weaknesses, we have our faults, and sometimes we might think God wouldn't call me to serve him. Well, no, he calls every one of us to serve him, in different ways each, but each and every one of us is called by the Lord to bear witness to him, to be part of his body, to bring him to the church. And especially, I find this when it comes up with young people who are discerning a vocation to the priesthood or religious life. And sometimes in talking with young people, I feel that they don't feel worthy of it. They look at their priests and their parishes and everything and say, gee, Father is so great. He's so holy. He's such a powerful man. I could never do what he does. I don't have his skills. And I always say, if there's anybody here, we have several young people here that think that God might be calling you to the priesthood or to religious life, and you think, how could I possibly follow God? What skills do I have? You know, my priest is so wonderful. I couldn't do what he does. Well, I can tell you, I know what you're feeling because I was there myself. I grew up always around priests, and there was one priest in particular whom I absolutely idolized. I had him on a pedestal, Father Kenny. He was the priest in my parish from uh, fourth grade through my junior year of high school. And he taught me to be an altar server, he taught us in class, and he became a personal friend to my family, and I learned everything from him. And I saw, I had put him on a pedestal. He was my idol. And when I first thought that God was calling me to be a priest and thinking of being just like Father Kenny, the thought of it scared me at one point because I said, how could I do what he did? He was so great. He had so many skills. Thankfully, my chaplain in college 
said to me, he goes, well, God would never call you to do something and not give you the strength that you need to see it through. He won't give you the skills to do everything, so you may not be able to do all the ministries that the church could offer, but the ones that God asks you to do, he will strengthen you, and he will give you whatever you need to do it. Thankfully, I trusted in him. And a few years ago, a priest friend of mine was the head of the archives here in the archdiocese, which among many things that they take care of are the archives of deceased priests. And he was able to share with me things in my friend's, this priest's file that were not confidential. And I was able to read a few letters that he had written to the Cardinal, uh, Cardinal Cook at the time, asking for, you know, about one about a transfer and a few other things. And I read about some of the things he worried about. And I realized that day he had the very same weaknesses, the very same concerns, the very same insecurities that I have. And I said, gee, I had father on a pedestal because I thought he was a superman. And he wasn't a superman. What I realized he was, was a man head over heels in love with Christ. And he gave him permission each and every day to use his frail human being and his own weaknesses to preach him and bear witness to him. And preach him and bear witness he did in an excellent way. And that helped me realize that, you know, hey, if Father Kenny could do all those things he did for me, as weak as he was, I can do the same for Christ and for other people, even with my own weaknesses. And I share that with all of you for not only those who might be being called by God to the priesthood or religious life, but everybody. Every one of us has a way to serve God. Some of you have already found your vocation and the vocation of marriage. Some of you will discern your vocation in the future or even what we're meant to do in any given day in any particular situation that comes our way. We don't have to be perfect and we don't have to be people who have all the answers. In fact, it's better for us if we acknowledge that we need other people to help us and look for assistance, look for counsel from other people. We are better off when we do that because we can feed off the wisdom that other people have that we don't have. And when we acknowledge our own weakness and simply say to God, Lord, I give you permission each and every day to do with me whatever you will, then we can do great things for the Lord. Mother Teresa of Calcutta taught us that. She said, give God permission every day and don't be afraid of your weaknesses. Whatever it is God wants to do through us, he can do if we only allow him. And if we always remember not to rely on our own strengths and our own talents, but on the power of God. Remembering as St. Paul once said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That with Christ helping us, we can do anything that he asks us to do. And so look to St. Peter if at any time you find weak and say, yourself weak and say, hey, St. Peter messed up big time sometimes and he ended up still being loved by the Lord and still doing great for him, things for him. So if St. Peter could mess up and still serve the Lord, so can I. Bring your sins and your weaknesses before the Lord as Peter did, ask for his forgiveness and let him strengthen you and remember that he will be with you always. That if you trust in the Lord, that he will be the one doing the works through you that you do. You'll be able to do great things for the Lord. You'll be able to move mountains. You'll be able to change the world. You'll be able to work miracles. May Jesus Christ be praised, now and forever. Thank you for listening to this week's homily by Father Carrozza. If you enjoyed this homily, please pass the word on to your friends and invite them to listen. For more materials from Father Carrozza, please visit www.fathercarrozza.com.